We should get to something that is of uh, import to the Toronto Police Board. They're going to be mulling this over. They've, uh, they're they mulling over this week whether to accept a private donation for the purchase of a new armored vehicle. I didn't even know we had an armored vehicle. David Perry is our 640 Toronto law enforcement analyst. David, welcome to the show. Good morning. Apparently, we have armored vehicles here in Toronto. How many does the force have? I'm not sure how many we have now, but we've had them for decades, and uh Sometimes they weren't your classic military-styled armor vehicles like we're hearing about through this donation, but we've had to sort of, with rubber bands and Band-Aids, put together something that would simulate our, uh, you know, an armored vehicle for tactical maneuvers. Uh, I remember way back in the day we had an old hydro truck, massive 4 by 4 solid truck that was all geared up with metal plates and so on that was, was truly just adapted for this purpose. So Not too obvious. Not too obvious, but uh, sometimes obvious is a good thing. Okay, because you want to make sure the bad guy knows that there's no way they're getting around or through this thing? You know, it's not so much about that, Kelly. It's it's more about uh, public safety and officer safety. So a good example is if you had an officer down and there's still active shooting uh, going on, that this vehicle would be used to rescue police officers, to rescue citizens who might be injured, you know, to to put, uh, quite frankly, themselves in harm's way to get between the bullets and and the public or or their fellow officers. So it's it's a huge public safety um, tool, and it's one that, you know, I don't th- I can't think of a municipal police service that either doesn't have one or have access to them. Of course, they're not used every day. They are sort of like you know firefighters do with some of their best and biggest equipment. It remains in a garage until it's truly needed, and that's that's the case with these as well. The Apparently the service has a 14-year-old armored vehicle, but they can't maintain it or refurbish it because the manufacturer went out of business. So this would be um, welcome to the force. There's a whole group of people, though, that are they're a little bit critical of the idea of a armored vehicle. One of them happened to be uh, chair of the Toronto Police Board from 2005 to 2015, and he said there's a whole trend of greater weaponization of the service without a single solid, well-researched, independently verified business case that justifies these things. What do you think of that? I am trying not to laugh, but does this person ever watch the news? You talk about weaponization. It's it's some of the criminal element that have far exceeded the weaponization of municipal policing and a lot of our even our provincial and federal policing. So uh, somebody needs to wake up and have a look what's going on in the streets today and realize that, you know, this is all about public safety and officer safety. This is not for show not for intimidation of the public it's to it's to keep the public safe and uh, i actually find a comment like that absolutely disgusting and shocking so this is used in other municipalities we're not talking about like a tank are we we're, are, is this more the i know the swat teams use this but are these more you know well equipped four by fours that are bulletproof no they you know what uh, they're they're pretty close to a tank except they don't have tracks i mean they're a big heavy solid steel vehicle that can uh, can repel fire from assault rifles and and uh, any kind of a high capacity weapon you know they can they can uh, withstand uh, molotov cocktails minor explosions all of these kinds of things and uh, listen you know we're we're living in the fourth largest city in north america and we've got all the large city problems that that happen right across north america and we've got to be prepared for that so I don't understand the fuss about it, quite frankly. it's Again, it's about public safety. It's about protecting all of us that need to be protected in, in that, uh, you know, that very uh, 
one-off chance that somebody's going to be involved in a in an active shooting, hostage situation, barricaded suspect, officer down, all of these kinds of situations when a vehicle like that could save lives. And and if it's about saving lives, I don't know why we're, we're having so much trouble with it. I guess the, the reality is uh, a lot of people be happier knowing that this is a donation that's going to pay for this uh, vehicle rather than, uh, you know, the cops saying we we need this and we need your money. Yeah, I suppose. And there are strict guidelines for what's an acceptable donation. I don't know where this one will fall down in policy, but uh, free is good uh, for the public. If somebody's willing to donate a very expensive piece of equipment and it can be done with, without any conflict of interest, then why not? And it, it harkens back to the days where uh, Toronto was uh, looking at getting a helicopter and we did have a helicopter on loan for a pilot project for a couple of years. The most uh, impressive piece of equipment for law enforcement. Everybody has them except for Toronto. And uh, it, this, when I hear about this, it sort of harkens back to that, you know, why, what went wrong and why didn't we get that valuable piece of equipment? So I hope this goes through. It's, it's good for policing. It's good for public safety. And, uh, and like I say, if somebody's going to donate it and it can be done without a conflict, why wouldn't we take it? Dave, why, why didn't you get the helicopter? Do you know? You know, it came down to dollars and cents and the fact that um, there were people willing to donate it. And at the time, the policies were such that they couldn't accept the donation. Um, but, you know, I, I live in, and I'm not, not afraid to say it, I live in Durham region. And I'll tell you, there's, there's rarely a week goes by that I'm not quite happy to see that helicopter up in the sky. And following the news and seeing the number of apprehensions that it's involved in, uh, you know, we, we're, we're decades behind the time in Toronto in terms of equipment. And so if we can get ourselves a, a good replacement armored vehicle, and uh, I'm a big proponent of a, a helicopter. It's about, again, public safety and officer safety. They can eyes in the sky is the safest way to, to monitor, you know, violent criminals, uh, fleeing suspects, all of those kinds of things. So I guess that the, when you're talking about donation, you need a policy in place so that, that you know, um, the concern would be there would be strings attached. Exactly. Yep. And there are ways to to uh, circumvent that in in a very ethical way, and I, I haven't heard anything that this is an ethical dilemma yet. I just hear that people are putting their hands up and say, "Oh my goodness, the the, the Toronto police are going to have an armored vehicle." Well, they have for a very very long time, and and it's about time we get a proper one. I, I'm always very impressed. I go to other police services like officers, uh, you know, celebrate celebrations night, and they, they put their equipment on display. And in Durham here, it's it's really comforting to see that they have, uh, you know, state-of-the-art armored equipment, tactical equipment. They've got a helicopter. They've got marine equipment. They've got everything they need. And Toronto, to, to me, has always just been falling behind in that. Hmm. And it's time for them to come into the 21st century and and make sure that they're equipped and you know i mean god forbid an officer's down and you can't get to him i i just can't think of a worse situation dave let me ask you this very quickly uh you were talking about how you were comforted by knowing that there are more eyes in the sky that can actually make arrests you heard about this story with uh windsor the mayor of windsor is wanting their police force to get involved with uh some sort of um companionship uh, or collaboration with the folks that make uh, ring the security system, the doorbell. And right. they, they've tried this in other areas in the States and uh, they think it would be a good idea. It's like sort of like the neighborhood watch of, you know, 2020. Yeah, I, I, I get that. And, you know, with technology today, it's the first thing that investigators go after. And um, right now it's on consent. That's the way, the only way they can get, 
you know, like if you have a ring technology or, or some kind of a device on your house, the only way the police can get it is through your consent, which most people willingly do, or by a search warrant. If it was a serious enough crime and the police could, you know, more or less satisfy a judge that, that something that would help solve the crime should be on that video, they could get a search warrant, but they tend not to for, for at least for public homes. But mm-hmm. uh, Do you yeah, like the idea? I do like the idea. I mean, uh, I... I you know, you know, I, I support the public safety more than anything else. And and if it can help the police apprehend suspects, man, the, the more the, the merrier. And, of course, we have to be careful of that fine line of privacy, but you're not privacy to the fault and, you know, not, not privacy to the point where we're paralyzed in what we're trying to do. All but, right. Um, that would be very interesting if they could pull that off. Three's a charm. So I got to ask you about this big story today. Uh, Ontario's new license plates, the double blue and white that uh, the Ford government were so big on bringing in. Apparently, according to a cop that posted a photo in the Kingston area, these are hard to see at night. Have you noticed that at all? I haven't seen one yet, but I did see the media. And if what I saw is true, somebody needs to lose their job. <laughs> I don't know how you could do all these. How high up were you willing to go for someone needs to lose their job, Dave? <laughs> Exactly. I think right up to the top. Hmm. And uh, it's interesting that you can spend all this time and money and and do all of this research. And somebody went, oops, we forgot that little part. Can we actually see this thing at night and under different uh, lighting? And uh, I I think it's an absolute joke. I found it interesting that the 407 Highway, they're happy because Mm -hmm. their technology can read them. But, you know, police officers need to be able to clearly read. It's an offense to have a plate on that they can't clearly read. And I, I think what's happened is the province has technically put people that put these new plates on their vehicles in a situation where they could actually get a ticket. Wow, you think that they could get a ticket? Yep. If you've got an obstructed plate or a plate that can't be read by the police under the law, you could be issued with a ticket. I can't see that happening. Right. But you technically could be issued with a ticket. The same as, you know, when people use those dark mirrored uh, reflectors on their plates um, you know, that's that's a ticketable offense. If if it's in some way obstructing even the 407 cameras, that's a ticketable offense. If you've got so much snow and mud covering your plate, you can actually get a ticket for that. And people are reasonable. I think officers are reasonable on a snowstorm. They're not going to be worried about stuff like that. But if you've got two years worth of mud on your plate, you can actually get a ticket for having your plate obstructed and, and not readable by the police. David, I appreciate your time as always. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Anytime. Cheers. It's David Perry. He is our 640 Toronto law enforcement analyst.